Good, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Glad you're here. It is amazing to sing the words of I surrender all is the most freeing statement a human can make. It just felt so good to say I surrender all. It's so freeing, isn't it? Now, it's probably been a little harder for me because I've been without my wife the last few days. Uh, she's been at a conference, and you have to get up every morning and go to bed every night saying, Oh, God, I surrender all, just to make it, just to make it. So, but we're doing well. She's coming back this evening. I'm glad. Well, it's all about the king and his kingdom. Oh, I don't have to surrender to anything less than, it, than the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We don't have any announcements, so I'm going to jump right into the word here. The king and his kingdom. This is a popular, you know, it's all about the king is born unto us, a, a savior, a king is born during this holiday season. And we are going to get to the New Testament, I promise. We are going to get to the birth of Jesus, but we still have a few weeks and I was going to go there this week, and I started reading in Daniel, and I got stuck. I just got enamored with some proclamations of some unlikely people talking about the king and his kingdom. People that had no business talking about the king and his kingdom. Some Gentile, wicked leaders who became enamored, who their life got totally focused on the king and his kingdom. So go to Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to learn something new from his word about the king and his kingdom. You know, God's people, Israel, in the Old Testament, were supposed to proclaim the goodness of God, right? They were people set apart from him and were, spo were supposed to and did proclaim his goodness, his mercy, his plans and purposes, Clearly, they, they struggle with that because when we find them in Daniel 6, there is no Israel, right? They're in captivity in Babylon. So what we have to understand is even though there's no people of God in their country is not there, his kingdom, his, his kingdom are still being proclaimed by his people, and he will always find someone to proclaim his kingdom, his kingdom. I don't care if it's a wicked king, the rocks will cry out if no one will praise him, right? So this is the picture here. So we've got the people of God in uh, Babylon, the Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar. Then his grandson or possibly some Belshazzar. I knew I couldn't say that right. <laughs> we call him Bel. He's going to see the, the handwriting on the wall. Remember when he takes the holy things of the Lord and uses them uh, to drink and for his party. So he's going to die that night. Well, the encroaching already is the the Medes and the Persians, this giant empire, the largest one yet in history to date at this time, steps in to fill the leadership vacuum and now creates from the Babylonian empire this huge empire under Darius. So we're going to find our text here in Daniel 6. 25 to 28. So the Median Empire, the, the Mede Persian Empire has taken over. They're running everything. Nebuchadnezzar was that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Daniel is an old man now. He's spent many years, uh, even though he's an immigrant, even though he didn't know the language, God has blessed him and continued to exalt him no matter where he was um, because of his spirit of excellence and his fear of the Lord. So we're going to pick this up with King, uh, the famous story at the end, Daniel and the lion's den. 
You know the story. You understand what's happened. This King Darius is not like Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a scoundrel, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. It took a lot to break him, but God can break anyone. But Darius seems to be a little more spiritually tuned, and when he makes a law, he got tricked into it, which was unbreakable by the Medes and the Persians. He spends all night in prayer and fasting for Daniel, who's in the lion's den. Well, y'all know the story. The next morning, everything's fine. The, uh, the, the, the lion's mouths have been shut. Daniel is fine. And we're going to pick up his proclamation for this event. This is a world proclamation. This is a big proclamation, even though it was a small event there um, in time and history. So let's pick this up. Daniel 6.25. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, that's a lot, nations and languages that dwell in the earth. This is the largest empire at the time, and this guy has absolute power. He is absolutely in control. He can say whatever he wants, and he's going to make the biggest proclamation. You can't get much bigger than all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. It doesn't, it doesn't get any bigger than that. This is what he says. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, in the reign of, Cyr- in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. This is an amazing proclamation coming from someone who has a very small amount of truth, right? He didn't grow up in Israel. He doesn't know so much, but he has encountered God through Daniel and what he knows of God, he he, he grasps the truth there. So let's look at this. Let's learn some new things. Verse 25, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth. Now this is a warlord by many accounts, right? He takes and conquers. Now he's highly political and he's very smart. He was smart because he, they did not crush the people that were there and take over. They assimilated them. He was much better at it even than Nebuchadnezzar was. That's why the empire grew so much. They would pull the best out. They would assimilate them. They would give them protection. And you can grow that a lot quicker than just crushing the, the area to powder. and has to be rebuilt. And then you have to have garrisons and military over it and stuff. So... He was really good at it, but still, everyone feared and trembled before the guy who's in charge of everything, right? You just get a lump in your throat. So imagine this decree going out. You're just in a little town under his dominion and power, his little local garrison. The horses have come in or the camels, whatever it is, and they've got a proclamation sealed with wax, most probably from the big guy. From the guy who, whatever he says, is law, and this law cannot be changed. That was the law of the Medes and Persians. We'll talk about that in a little bit more. So you, he steps up. Everyone's trembling. They grab their kids around him and they say, oh, what is he going to say? 
Because whatever that law is, it's going to be really good or really bad. To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied to you? What? The guy who takes over everything? The guy who is in charge of everything? I just, it's like this big old bouncer walking in and smiling and say, let me just give you a hug. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's a lot. That's a little much. These people, you know, when, when they came in, it was like, oh, what's going to happen? And the proclamation is, peace be multiplied to you. Something has happened to Darius. Something has happened to this man. Number one on your notes. Peace is the result of an encounter with the king. We proclaim him by the peace of God that rules and reigns in our hearts in Christ Jesus, right? Let the peace of God rule and reign in your heart through Christ Jesus. That is a great proclamation. That is a great witness, and that's what God's called us to do. This heathen king has encountered God through Daniel in a specific way, and the Bible doesn't give us all what happened to him, but he has a realization of the God of Jehovah. He, he ha really has a realization of this God. And he says, I'm going to tell you, from now on, my kingdom's going to pronounce something. Peace. Oh, that's a huge deal at this time in history. This is what the book of Romans says so clearly. Listen to this, Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is what? Yeah. It's the way he used to run. It's the way Nebuchadnezzar ran Babylon. It's the way conquerors rule. If you don't like it, they kill you. Is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And he goes one step farther. Because the carnal mind is that enemy against God is not subject to the, to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Sorry, next scripture, verse 14. I'm sorry, chapter 14 in Romans. I got ahead of my notes here. Just a few pages over. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For those who serve Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Verse 19. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for what? Peace. And the thing which make for peace and the things by which one, we may, by which one may edify another. This beautiful theme that we think about uh, at Christmas, all the pillows in my attic came out last week. They all came out. There is glitter all over my house on everything. I have vacuumed. Even the Dyson cannot handle it. And the number one uh, etching on the pillows and things stuck on the wall or everything is the word peace. It's all over the place. We need it in our house because that's not a natural thing that happens. You got to work at peace in my house. So we plastered it all over the walls so the children who can kind of read now, at least two and a half of them, we, it's all in their face. The pillows, everything. No, you take this pillow that says peace and you lay on that. <laughs> 
Peace is the result of an encounter with the king. I want to show you something here. I have an acquaintance, not a friend, just an acquaintance, in uh, Israel. He's the only Messianic pastor that I know that I've met and got to speak to. Let me show you a picture of him. And his name is Israel. This is Pastor Israel. So I get his uh, newsletters. He sends him and stuff, doing a great work. He's been plugging away there for almost 20 years. They have a congregation. It's a big congregation, especially for Israel, these Messianic Jews, these Christ-following Jews. Uh, like 200, 250 people. So this is him, does a lot of outreach, all kind of things all over Israel. They've dealt with a lot of persecution, but God is so faithful and so good. And so he had two of his members of his church do a short-term mission trip to Norway. The reason they went to Norway is there's a lot of refugees in Norway, and they felt like this is where we need to go. And he has a huge heart for peace and good relationships between the Israeli world and the Muslim world. So he sends this group uh, to Norway to minister to the Syrians, who are Muslim Syrians. So they come back with amazing testimony. Let me show you this next picture here. The, the, couple, the people on the left, they're a couple. That are, those are Israelis from his church. The two guys on the right are Syrian Muslims. Well, they meet them. They're just all a bunch of millennials in their skinny jeans. <laughs> they say, listen, they just hit it off. I, don't, I think they met them at a coffee shop and stuff. Well, they say, hey, come to dinner at our house. We're going to cook you some really good Syrian food. So uh, the couple on the left, the Israeli Christian couple, uh, go to these guys' house. They, uh, they have dinner. They hit it off. They end up talking for a long time. Where they get it's talking about Yeshua. They start talking about Jesus. And I'll quote um, what the pastor told me. He said, all I understand is that the power of God fell in their home and that, that, that these Syrians gave their life to Jesus, these Muslims, because they realized that he was the Savior of the world. So this is Israelis and Syrian Muslims who all we ever see is them killing each other. But God, but Jesus says, I'll bring peace anywhere. Anywhere. Look at this next picture. Aren't they having a good time? Only the Lord does that. Because an encounter with the king, oh, it brings peace. Peace, peace in heart and mind, peace in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And look at that, even peace in the world, or at least that part of the world. All right, let's keep going back to our story here. Daniel 6, so the first thing out of his mouth is, peace be multiplied to you. Verse 26, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom... Men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. That is a big decree, and that's a big kingdom. The largest empire, as I said, at, the war, uh, at this time in the world that had ever existed, the Medo-Persian Empire. Now, they had some very unique laws, very unique laws, and we need to understand the whole story exists, and the whole Daniel's and, and Daniel and the Lion's Den story exists because of Daniel 6. So if we'll just turn... Back one page, Daniel 6, 6 through 9. Y'all know the story. They tricked Darius into saying, look, no one can worship any, no one can pray it for, it to anyone for 30 days except for you. So Daniel 6, 6. So those governors and satraps um, throgged before the king and said, said thus to, to him, King Darius lived forever. All the governors 
of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except except you, O king, shall be cast into the lions cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. That part of their statement is not a lie. The first part that they consulted everyone, that is a lie, because they didn't say nothing to Daniel. <laughs> they, they left him out of that conversation. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. This is a really unique law in world history. It was unchangeable once signed, and way before Magna Carta, the king was not above it, right? No one's above the law. Well, this statement, he should have been able to change it, but he knew his empire would crumble if, if he did. Even he was subject to the law that he signed, which is why Daniel had to go through all of that. Of course, God is glorified. Even in the bad mistakes of the world, even in the injustice of the world, God is glorified. And we have to understand that. When your life is, is submitted to him, whatever injustice has happened to you, this is the injustice of injustices, lies, deceit, Daniel's doing, doing his best to serve the Lord, God will still use it for good. He's that great. Okay, so now this is the way our story happened. Just if you swipe your app or flip the page, back to verse 26, he says, I make the decree that in every dominion my kingdom of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. This is a permanent, unchanging decree. We can learn some things from a man who has encountered God who is not an Israeli, who is in this, in this um, Gentile mindset and nation, he makes a permanent decree about how he's going to run his kingdom and live his life. Now, I tell you, I don't want to have any new believer or any um, someone who doesn't have the knowledge of God that I have making decisions with greater integrity than I have. That's convicting to me, right? Number two on your notes. Make a permanent decision to honor God. We as Christians make permanent decisions. We don't move off of them. This is the word of God. It doesn't change. Now, I'm not talking about hairstyles or vehicles or anything like that. I'm talking about lifestyles, relationships, when I was a kid, I made a permanent decision. I would never date someone that wasn't a Christian. Even as a, even as a young person, I knew that. I honored God. I would not do it. Permanent decision with our time. I've made a permanent decision to say, okay, every day, no matter what happens, somehow I'm going to spend some time with Jesus in some way, right? A permanent decision. I'm going to make a permanent decision to always be involved in a local body, whether I'm a pastor or not. It's a permanent decision. Finances, church involvement. I'm going to make a permanent decision. Here's a big one, to be under authority. I'm always going to be under authority in my life. So, what, so that, that's my list. I have a few other ones. That I, would, that I would always walk in love and free from offense. I'm not going to be mad at people. Offenses will come, but then they're not going to live here, right? They're going to come, 
but they won't live here. Let me ask you a question. What are your permanent decisions? What in your life saying, I will not move off of these biblical principles, off of these decisions? And so the hard decisions in life for me, they're not hard. A lot of them. We always have hard times, but my decisions are made. I know how I'm going to live my time, my finances, my relationships, my involvement. I'm going to walk in love. I, I know that's the word of God. I will not live in offense, so that's the way I'm going to live. Does that make sense? Make a permanent decision in areas of your life to honor God. That's what Darius did. And I'm not going to let some king in history who didn't have the blood of Jesus um, outdecision me. I, don't, I know that sounds so competitive. It is because that's the way my brain is wired. That's the way I work. When I go play sports, I step on the court and I say, I'm going to be the best in the paint. I'm not fast enough. I'm too old to be out on the arc. But I say, I'm going to rule this right here. I know that sounds arrogant. I don't mean it to be. But I'm saying, whatever I do, I'm going to do the best in this area of my life, right? That's the same thing we're doing here. It's the same thing Darius did. That's the same thing Daniel did. Really, I'll tell you what it is. Although Daniel was number two, remember he actually became number two in the kingdom? He was the most influential because he influenced number one. He influenced the king. He's the one who influenced more than all the other people in that kingdom because Daniel was so submitted to God, he influenced Darius. See, Jesus wants you to be last because he understands that if you'll do that, you'll actually be able to influence more people than ever. If you'll serve and have integrity and serve the king, then God will raise you up. It'll be supernatural, right? And that's what we're, do- that's what we're learning here about the king and his kingdom. As James 1 talks about, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We don't want to be like that. We want to make permanent decisions to honor God. All right, let's keep going here. Verse 26, I make make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble before, must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. For he is the living God. This is not what old Nebuchadnezzar said. Nebuchadnezzar just said, you can't talk bad about the people of God. You can't talk bad about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God. You can't talk bad about them. Darius says, for he's the living God and steadfast forever. You say, wait a minute, didn't Nebuchadnezzar do that too? Yes, but not the first time. And had nothing to do with the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar sees power like he's never seen before. So he backs up and says, whoa, Shagrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their God is the, the real deal. His heart is not changed at all. People can have the power of God and their heart not be changed at all or see the power of God and their heart not be changed at all. Let me show you this compare and contrast. So Darius says, for he is the living God and steadfast. That's not what Nebuchadnezzar says. He says, just don't say nothing bad about that God. You can't say anything bad about him. Now, if we fast forward to the end of Nebuchadnezzar's life, broken, loses his mind. Remember, he goes out like an animal, lives in the field, and his his beard grows, his fingernails are like eagle's claws. Then, because he tried to exalt himself, like, I've done all this, all this, I've done all this. 
Look at Daniel 4.34. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. This is Nebuchadnezzar's conversion. This is Nebuchadnezzar's, not the fiery furnace. Sometimes, look, even power of God, sometimes hard-hearted people need a, they got to be broken. This is the time he says, that's it, this is the living God. This is the living God. Now go back to verse 26 where we were with Darius. For he is the living God and stands forever. Number three on your notes. Our description of God reveals our relationship to Him. Our description of God reveals our relationship to Him. You guys know this. You start talking to someone or ask them, Hey, tell me about you and Jesus. It takes you about five minutes to figure out where they are with Jesus, right? Because their description reveals the relationship. Nebuchadnezzar's description with after the fiery furnace, that guy didn't know Jesus. But when he starts crying out and says, there's a living God, now I bend my knee to him, that guy has a God encounter. And then we look at Darius right here. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. Darius had some kind of God encounter. He had some kind of God encounter and he's praising the king. Our description of God reveals our relationship to Him. I love this quote from Matthew Henry. It's on your notes. What elevates man is communion with God in willing subjection to Him. The moment he tries to exalt himself to independence of God, as did Nebuchadnezzar, he sinks to the beast's level. One last scripture, Matthew 16. How does this sound and look in the New Testament? Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? Say that I, the Son of Man, am. So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. All those people that are saying that, they've had some kind of encounter with God, right? With Jesus, they just, not that he's their savior. They haven't seen him as this king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ, the what? The son of the living God. That's the exact same statement that Darius makes. This is the living God, the only one who's actually alive and ruling and reigning, the Son of the living God. Our description of God reveals our relationship to Him. All right, let's keep going here. Verse 26, back in Daniel 6. For he is the living God and, stead, and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one 
which shall not be destroyed. That is a unique statement coming from an, an emperor in an empire. His kingdom is the one that will not be destroyed. Well, he really truly recognizes the eternal God in his kingdom and his is just temporary. The temporary nature of his kingdom, very different than the pharaohs and their, and, and their understanding, right? That they would be eternally um, gods or kings. Very different than the Romans. Very different. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. Well, that is an absolute... Remember, who's he writing this to? All people, all nations, everywhere on the earth. What an absolute statement that is. I mean, he just puts all his eggs in one basket. Number four in your notes. Absolutes are the language of the king's servants. Absolutes are Darius's language, but they were like that because they were Daniel's language. Absolutes are the language that we speak. We speak in loving absolutes, don't we? We speak in absolutes about Jesus. We speak in absolutes about salvation. We speak in absolutes about sin. We speak in absolutes. Let's look at a couple pictures here from these empires in world history. So this is the the Medes and the Persians Empire. You can see the Babylon, Babylonian Empire was smaller. The Egyptian Empire was smaller. And it, all of the color that's not brown, that's the Persian Empire. It stretches all the way into Egypt. This is why I put this picture on there. It's actually three continents. Not all of the continents, obviously. But it stretches into Europe, into Asia, and into Africa. It's that huge area. Twice as big as any of the other ones. So this is the the meadow, the Medes and the Persians empire. So let's look at the next picture here. This is the Roman empire. It's huge, the largest at its time in the world. This is the Roman empire. That thing goes all the way up into, just about into Scotland, all the way down into Europe, into Egypt and Africa. All of that is gone. The only time you can go see anything in Rome is you can go to the Vatican or you can go to ruins, right? Look at the size of that thing. And this is when the world was so much smaller. The, we didn't have seven plus billion people on the planet. That thing, is, it's gone. It lasted for a few hundred years. It's gone. The one before, it's gone. It's done. It, it rose and fall according to the will of the sovereign God. This king steps in and gets to say something that is of eternal significance. In our lives, we are going to be born, we're going to live, and we're going to die. We get to decide if we get to say, speak of things that are eternally significant. And that is the absolutes of the Word of God. The absolutes like Darius declared. I want to show you something that the disciples said. This is Acts 5. How did they speak in these different empires Sorry, Acts 4, verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, scribes, as well as Ananias, the high priest, uh, Caphias, John, Alexander, 
and as many as were of the family of the high priest, all kind of people together, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them, some of the disciples, in the midst they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Is the person who, the blind guy who got healed. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to him, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he was he has been made well. Let it be known to you all and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you. Hold. Some absolutes. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Look at verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other from, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The language of absolutes, that's the language we speak. This is why this matters. That is so contrary to anything in our culture. It is absolute contrary to speak in absolutes. The Bible speaks in absolutes. Jesus spoke in absolutes. Darius spoke in absolutes. Peter spoke in absolutes. I'm going to speak in absolutes. It's mandated by God to do that. All right. One last one. Go back to Daniel 6. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. There's a reason I'm not a cessationist. That means that there were no miracles anymore. They were just in the book of Acts and then they're gone. It's got nothing to do with the book of Acts. They were way before the book of Acts. They'll be way after the book of Acts. All right? He worked signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. This, this is way before. This is B.C. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. He re- delivers and rescues he works signs and wonders. There's a, a little truth that this Gentile king speaks that echoes through eternity that we need to always remember in our life. Remember, he's the king. He's the empire. He's the emperor. And we have to, number five on your notes, always remember that the king, he's also the savior. The king of all eternity, is also the Savior. It's, y'all know that truth. It's a simple truth. But to think about that, out of this man's understanding, the King, who is eternal, the living God, whoa, He's the Savior of Daniel. He's the Savior of the world. The King is also the Savior. One last scripture to see, to really understand this. Let's stand up and stretch out. Stretch it out. Let's look at this Savior King in Revelation 19, 11 through 13. Always remember, oh, the King of eternity, the God who dwells in inapproachable light is the Savior. 
it's so easy for us, because we, especially if you grew up in, in, in Christ, grew up in church, but especially grew up in Christ, it's easy for us to know that. It is only by revelation for people who don't know Jesus to know that. It was a revelation to this very smart, very powerful man to realize, oh my, the king of the world is the savior who saves Daniel out of lion's den, who saves us from our sins. Let's look at this. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And he... And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. That's very kingdom, throne, military, leadership-like, right? That's, that's the king's language. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. All the kingdoms of the world will bring him glory and honor. If you continue to remember the, the elders fall down, throw their crowns down before him and worship him who lives forever. You can come up with the worship team or whoever's coming up. I'm sorry, go back. Many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. Verse 13. But he's not just the king. No, no, no. He wasn't just the king. And God apparently wants us to understand this amazing relationship between the king and who else? He was clothed in a robe, what? Dipped in. This is the future. This is the eternal picture of who he is. He's eternally the savior king. He's got a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. King, Savior. Oh. Darius had an understanding of this. The kings of this, of this time in, in the world did. And we, in our time, get to proclaim the king and his kingdom. Let's just come to Jesus. have kingdoms, God, influences, leadership positions, whatever God's put us over. Precious children, grandchildren, businesses, companies, wives, your husbands. We all have areas that He wants us to proclaim who He is. He wants us to proclaim peace. Oh, that's a huge one could say peace be multiplied to you maybe you need to make some permanent decisions about things some permanent decisions as permanent as his blood is and your salvation is make some permanent decisions absolutes about who God is. Absolutes about the Word of God, about salvation. 
the state of man without Christ. wonderful thing to be able to come corporately. So let's all go together to him right now. Oh, how we need both. Our prayer closet is a wonderful place, but it's a wonderful place to have brothers and sisters in the Lord. Let's come to him together now, to this Savior, King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the wonderful holiday season. Lord, we thank you, God, that throughout all time in history, You will raise up people. And you're not even a respecter of persons, Lord. You'll raise up anyone to proclaim that you're king and you're Lord. Lord, in our lives, we don't want any rocks crying out. Not in our home, not in our workplace, Lord, not with our children, our grandchildren, our spouse. Lord, we want to proclaim you king of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you that you are helping us do this. For you are the living God. We're going to make permanent decisions to do this, Lord. Oh, we thank you that you, Holy Spirit, are reminding us and leading us into all truth. We thank you, Lord, for our salvation in Jesus Christ. We thank you for this season that we can reflect and think about the King and his eternal kingdom. And that we are actually, truly a part of it through the blood of 